welcome to the Airline Weekly Lounge. I'm your host, Edward Russell, and this week I'm joined by my co-host, Jay Shabat, to discuss ACI's ranking of the 10 busiest airports in 2022 and the implications of the FAA staffing situation in New York. Please enjoy. Hey, Jay, how are you doing this week? Hi, Ned. I'm good. How are you? Good, good. So you're out in Seattle enjoying the the cool weather while we're roasting here on the U.S. East Coast. Yeah, and it's uh, it is a very typical Seattle day uh, as I'm speaking right now. We got gray clouds and a slow drizzle, so it's uh, yeah, full getting getting the full Seattle effect. Sure beats the uh, the eighty plus degree Fahrenheit weather, thirty plus degree Celsius weather we're having back east. Uh, a lot of places I I know here in Washington D.C. they're uh, complaining the school's air conditionings haven't turned on and parents are complaining. But that that is not a, a topic for the Airline Weekly Lounge this week. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll we'll let the weather weather folks uh, talk about the weather and we'll we'll stick to airlines. Yes. So first up, uh, Air, the Airports Council International released their annual ranking of the 10 busiest airports globally. And uh, what, uh, you know, what, what came out? Any surprises, Jay? Well, um, it actually... No, in the sense that Atlanta was back on top, uh, which is not very surprising at all. Atlanta is the busiest airport in the world and has been since 1998, I believe, with one exception in 2020. It fell to number two. And that was just, you know, 2020 was a very weird year because of COVID and Guangzhou and China uh, took the top spot that year. But for all effective purposes, for, you know, the, the better part of two and a half decades, Atlanta uh, has been the busiest airport in the world. Now, I should say that uh, the uh, total passenger volumes in 2022 um, in Atlanta was about 94 million, which is still well below the 110 million that 110 million plus that it recorded in 2019. So, and if you recall, 2022 was a big recovery year, but the first quarter of the year was still kind of marred by the Omicron virus. We still have an Omicron strain of COVID. So we still had, you know, the beginning of the year is pretty weak. Right. Uh, so and and, and yeah. I like to yeah interject there. You know, Delta has said that 2023 is going to be their year of fully recovering the Atlanta hub. Um, though I, I can speak from experience. I, I got a chance to fly through Atlanta and Delta a few times in the past few months. And uh, it certainly doesn't feel like it's down 15 percent. But, you know. I know consciously that that it, it's the banks. They just have fewer banks going through. So each bank might be as busy, but if there's eight instead of 10, you easily get a 15% cut in overall passenger numbers. Right. That makes sense. They'll just add uh, yeah, more connecting options. And, and actually, Delta has said that they've kind of neglected growth at, uh, at Atlanta during the pandemic. They've prioritized some of their coastal hubs like Seattle uh, and even, even places like Boston. I think they've added some stuff. And now they said they're going to go back and sort of fill in the gaps, uh, you know, fill in some of the uh, the expansion that they kind of put aside during the pandemic at Atlanta. So we should see some health and no reason to think that Atlanta won't be, you know, back in the well over 100 million, you know, this year and going forward. So that's, oh, uh, yeah, yeah, there's uh, there, nothing, nothing to, to think that that, that there's uh, going to be any stall growth. Number, number two, by the way, was Dallas-Fort Worth. Now, the, it's always important to make this, this this point here when we're talking about the world's busiest airport airports. Um, Atlanta is not, by any stretch, the busiest airline market in the world. Uh, that 
probably belongs to London, maybe New York. The the reason why Atlanta's airport is number one is because there's only one airport in the city. So you have to remember a place like London has, you know, five or six airports and New York has three real big ones. Chicago has two big ones. Right. So I always think of the, the, yeah, I always think of the DC area and how none of our airports ever make the list. Right. Um, but that's because we have three. And if you added up passenger numbers for BWI, Dulles and National together, you know, we'd be about 75,000 million a year annually. And that would put us number two on this list. So, yeah, Atlanta benefits from from being the only only game in town. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, still very impressive, no doubt. And just uh, New York, by the way, in 2019 was about 140 million. That's the, the three big airports, JFK, Newark and LaGuardia. So that's 140 and as I mentioned, Atlanta was 110. So, you know, still still impressive. But uh, yeah, just just always keep that in mind when, when you're talking about that. Now, Absolutely. Yeah. So the uh, we, we Dallas, uh, Fort Worth, um, which also there's, of course, Dallas Love Field in that market, too. Uh, Dallas, Fort Worth by itself is the number two airport uh, in the world last year. Um, and, and another airport that's just growing very, very rapidly. Uh, it's a city that's growing city or metro area that's growing very rapidly. Um, and other, you know, big ones on the list are uh, Denver, which I know uh, it's a market that you know well, uh, Ned. That has been going gangbusters in recent years. That's, uh, I believe, I'm number three. I don't have the list in front of me right now. You know, I have the, uh, I do have the list in front of me, and I just, I want to say, there's only two airports on this list. Denver and Istanbul that have gained passenger number, gained passenger numbers in 2022 versus 2019. Like you said, Denver Mm -hmm. is number three and Istanbul is number seven. I'd also like to point out both of those airports have significantly climbed the rankings. Denver went from 16th in 2019 to number three last year. Istanbul went from, wait for this, 28th in 2019 to number seven in 2022. Amazing! Wow, and and you know those of you who uh, who listen to this podcast, uh, you know we talk about Istanbul quite a lot about how that's uh, you know just just been such a dynamic market in recent years, and what Ned just said is really captures that. We'll have to Ned, we'll have to do a podcast or even even a feature story for for the issue for the airline weekly issue on Denver because that's a that's an incredibly interesting market as well, incredibly hot market. Absolutely. Well, you know I will be out in Denver at least a few times this uh, this summer, so. It'll be something easy to do. But I'd like to say we also probably will do something on Istanbul where the IATA annual general meeting this year is being held there in June. So that's an airport that we will have more on in the coming months. Yeah, yeah. Another thing that kind of reflects the Istanbul's growing importance to aviation is that IATA's annual meeting is going to be held there this year. Absolutely. Yeah, that's that's uh, two impressive markets. Uh, yeah, so Denver, and uh, you do have the list. Of, am I correct that Denver, you said, was number three, right? Number three. And uh, you want to read the read down the list for yep. our listeners? And then we've got Chicago, Hare is four. Uh, Dubai is fifth. And I'd like to note, Dubai is actually the largest international passengers airport, busiest international passenger airport for the year, but the overall numbers, including domestic Dubai, is fifth. LAX is sixth. Istanbul, seventh. London Heathrow eighth, New Delhi ninth, and Paris tenth. Another Paris one Charles to watch. Yeah. Mm, yeah, Delhi's another one to watch because that's going to. Uh, that's uh, I don't believe that was on the top ten ever before. Yeah, it's seventeenth uh, in twenty nineteen. Seventeen, yeah. So there you go. There's a lot, a lot of growth there as well, and we're, we're you know that expect that to 
continue to grow because of all the airplanes that Air India is ordering and just the economic growth that you've got there. So mm-hmm. another well, one to list, keep an eye on. You know, I'm thinking this list is going to change a lot next year because there's no Chinese airports on this list. Yes. And that's absolutely because of the Chinese government's zero COVID policy that was in force in 2022. That policy has now been in, in, ended. So 2023, I, th- I feel like we're going to see a number of the Chinese airports jump back onto this list because, you know, they were there in 2019. Right, right. So that's that's a big one. And those uh, Beijing and Shanghai are one of the if you combine because those are cities as well with multiple airports. They're also you're starting to get to some of the largest airline markets in the world uh, in, in based on 2019 traffic. So if things revert to some some sense of normality in 2023 or 2024, then as you say, yeah, some of these, you'll start to see. Now, Beijing is a little strange because they just opened a new airport, a very large new airport there in and 2019. It, so Right. And it never really got like fully, you know, up to up to speed before COVID hit, because yeah. I remember writing a lot about when is when are Delta and American going to move there, you know, and they had planned to do it in March 2020. And then, of course, well, everything changed. But yeah. Yes. And then the third big market is Guangzhou. And if you uh, so in the upcoming uh, airline weekly issue that will come out on Monday, We'll have a feature story on China. And one of the things I point out there is that uh, Guangzhou was, um, w- was relatively speaking, a better market than Shanghai and Beijing uh, during COVID. China Southern, which is based in Guangzhou, fared a little bit better. I mean, all the Chinese airlines lost an extraordinary amount of money last year, but China Airlines lost a, it was a little bit less awful. And one reason is because Guangzhou is a bit more domestic than you know, Beijing and, and Shanghai are just more international cities. So uh, that's, well, just, just something that, uh, you know, that's a dynamic that that may change as, uh, you know, China's borders open. So we'll, you know, see how that all pans out. But uh, we'll see. Yeah, yeah I those am are your big three. How, uh, how they open. I mean, one thing like, we'll see this this year, how the Daxing, which is the new Beijing airport, impacts you know, Beijing capital, because that was definitely pushing Beijing up the rankings in 2019, having pretty much one airport effectively for the year. So, right, right. We'll and and Beijing, right. And, the, and the, the older airport, Beijing capital, was uh, always very, very kind of hitting up against its capacity limits. I mean, Air China, one other thing, it's kind of ironic, but in, uh, you know, all throughout the 2010s, Air China was always very frustrated that it couldn't expand more. And Hainan Airlines as well uh, was always trying to expand more of Beijing. Uh, Beijing's main airport, and they couldn't because of capacity. Well, now you have this brand new airport, so there's plenty of capacity to expand at the old one, but there's no no more demand. So, the uh, uh, you know, it's it's questionable about you know to what extent demand comes back. I mean, perhaps it eventually will. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's something we'll be we'll definitely be watching as as things evolve. Mm-hmm. Well, those are the busiest airports in 2022. Jay, let's take a quick break, and we will be right back to uh, talk a bit about New York. And we're back. So, Jay, in the last few weeks, we've seen an interesting, uh, interesting situation emerge in New York. The Federal Aviation Administration notified airlines that it is understaffed. Its air traffic control operations are understaffed in the New York area. Which in and of itself is a huge, huge thing from the FBA. You know, throughout the last year, they've denied that they're understaffed. 
But now they're saying that uh, the the centers that control air traffic over the New York area are only about 54% staffed at whatever levels they're, they're measuring from needed. And that uh, because of that, they were expecting flight delays of up to 45% for all flight up at JFK, LaGuardia, and Newark. As a result, they have asked airlines to reduce flights into and out of the New York area by up to 10% this summer, which which is big. Yeah, it's really, it's really a shame to see because it's something that's, uh, you know, inevitably is going to drive up fares. It hurts consumers. It's even the airline. I mean, there's just nobody wins from a situation like that. And yeah, I mean, frankly, it's something that you see throughout the economy. I mean, a little bit less so, uh, you know, as we're coming out of COVID and COVID, we just had so many parts of the economy where, you know, you didn't have enough workers for this industry or that industry. And, you, you know, the, the airline industry besides that is beset with not enough airplanes and, you know, Boeing and Airbus are not producing enough. And there's, uh, you know, not enough, uh, uh, you know, all throughout the supply chain. There's, there's, it's, it's just a shame that because of that, you don't have as much capacity in the system and you have demand essentially running up against that and prices going up. But Absolutely. I guess that's the reality. I mean, it is. The, it, it is. It, we. It's. It's sort of similar to the pilot situation. A lot of training. Uh, the FAA's air traffic control training facility was shut down for a while during COVID, so that delayed new classes. And and from my reading, it takes three years to fully train and certify new air traffic controllers. So you know, if they shut it down for a year during COVID, that that pushes everything back. And then, like you said, there's the overall staffing issues that affected many sectors of the economy. So, you know, air traffic control is no different. So it's, yeah, it really is a shame. And But it, it sort of leads to what United CEO Scott Kirby said in January, was that, you know, the U.S. aviation system is just bumping up against its absolute operational limits. And, you know, they he said at the time they need, um, what is it, 5% more aircraft, 10% more pilots, something along those lines to operate mm. the same schedule as they did in 2019. And uh, this is just the latest sign that that is the reality that airlines are facing, at least this year, if not, you know, for an extended period. Right. And all of this amounts to, you know, just generally speaking, uh, an industry with with a higher cost base, with higher unit costs, you know, it's less efficient because you're not getting as much utilization out of your people and your equipment. And because of these, all these things we talk about, all these, you know, restraints and restrictions, uh, so you have a higher industry with a higher cost base, which inevitably means, you know, an industry with uh, higher prices. Now, what um, what I think every, the whole world is kind <laughs> of waiting to see is, well, what happens when demand cools off? I mean, right now, demand is still fiery red hot. And uh, we have all this talk about, you know, maybe there's going to be a recession or, you know, consumer spending is, is cooling and we have, you know, uh, a banking panic that just happened and all this stuff that seems to indicate that that demand at some point should should weaken well if it does uh you know our our, our airlines can be able to get the prices that they're getting now and cover these added costs and that's that's a you know big open question uh you know it could be that just capacity is so restrained relative to demand that you know maybe it doesn't matter even though demand does demand could drop 10%, but it doesn't matter because supply drops 20%. I mean, it's, we don't know. Absolutely. And and you, I think I keep thinking of the statements that we've heard from Delta CEO at Bastion and others that, 
you know, the amount of the the economy in the U.S. has expanded through COVID. I mean, part of that was government, uh, you know, aid and everything. But the economy is bigger today than it was in 2019. Yet air travel remains just about at 2019 levels. So, you know, if clearly there there's more demand just based on economic activity than uh, there is people flying at this point. And even if there is a recession, the question is, I mean... <laughs> Maybe we stay where we are, but there's so many variables out there. It's just, it's confusing. I mean, the situation in New York this summer, and for anyone, of course, probably everyone listening is in the airline industry, but if you're not and you want to fly to New York this summer, buy your ticket soon because this is only going to drive fares higher than they already are. Right, right. And uh, and it's, it's all this stuff does, you know, have just broader implications in a sense. I mean, it even hurts economic development in places. I mean, if you're a, you know, even a medium sized city that depends on air service, you know, you, uh, I mean, just think about some medium sized city that's trying to recruit foreign investment from Europe. And, you know, you, you meet with, with some representatives and they ask you, well, it's, uh, you know, do you have good air service? We want to be able to uh, get our people in and out our headquarters in, let's say Paris. And we, we want to set up a factory in, in Alabama. Can we, you know, get our people in and out? And, you know, you, at some point you have to tell them, uh, well, not really. We don't have any flights anymore because the the airlines are cutting all their service. And it's it can wind up really hurting people at a very local level. Right. And we're already seeing that. You know, there have been, I believe, Elevon Pacific Aviation Consulting has a good list. American Delta United have pulled service to 73 U.S. small airports to date since April 2020. And and the latest additions to that were State College, Pennsylvania, which Delta dropped flights to New York, uh, will drop flights to New York in June. And Delta is also exiting La Crosse, Wisconsin. So, you know, you could argue that those you could drive to a major city from both of those places. But State College, for example, is a large college town. I'm sure they have visiting professors and researchers and everything coming in. And it just becomes so much more difficult to attract them if people can't fly there. Yeah, totally. And it's, it's really severe at the regional level because, you know, because these places don't have enough demand in many cases to support, you know, full-size narrow body airplanes. So they depend on smaller regional jets and the economics of those just become, you know, more and more difficult when, you know, just, all these costs we're talking about are elevated and you have shortages of pilots and things. So it's really hitting at the end, but, but don't discount. I mean, don't ignore the fact that this what's happening now also hurts very big cities too. I mean, in a place like even New York, New York is, you know, it's a very, very, very large economy that has uh, a very, di- it's a very diverse economy in the sense that it, uh, you know, generates economic activity from a lot of different sources, everything from, uh, you know, finance to healthcare to, to real estate, but don't discount the size and importance of tourism. And if you're, uh, you know, if your airfares coming into your market are suddenly, you know, X percent more and people are not visiting because of that, I mean, that takes a real economic toll. Absolutely. You know, I keep thinking about, sorry for the, the repeated Washington, D.C. references, but, you know, the local budget is is tourism is back, but the, the lack of, of business travel is hurting the city significantly. So, you know, tourists are, are a big driver of, of urban economies in the U.S. And, you know, if they can't, people can't get there, get to New York, that's that's going to hurt the city, especially as, you know, we debate whether, you know, offices will ever be as full as they once were. So, 
Yeah. And sometimes business and tourism even somewhat overlap in the sense that, and I'm not even talking about this whole, you know, new phenomenon of people combining business and leadership, but I'm just in the sense that, you know, think about a place like Washington, D.C. or Chicago, especially a place like Las Vegas, Orlando. Uh, these, are, these are places where uh, you'll have big business conventions. And um, if the, you know, the airfares are just like super high, companies are not going to, or organizations, companies, they're not going to schedule the conventions there anymore. Right. So it's, it can take a toll. And that's, you know, that's technically business traffic. I mean, people coming for a business conference, but, you know, oftentimes people are coming and, you know, spending their money in restaurants and that's, that contributes to the whole tourism leisure economy. And yeah, that, that's, that's all threatened when airfares are really high. Yeah. Absolutely. Now I, and I always, I, 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 people will probably uh, recall me, you know, saying this on multiple occasions, but um, anytime we're talking about airline fares, we always, always, always have to talk about fuel prices because that's our big input as well. You know, if you're, if your fuel price suddenly drops dramatically, then a lot of what we're talking about, you know, becomes somewhat less relevant because airlines can, you know, suddenly make money uh, charging lower, lower fares. Uh, right now, uh, we've seen fuel prices pretty moderate in the past couple months. We've had this uh, news from Saudi Arabia and OPEC uh the other was it a week or two ago in which they're actually gonna cut oil supplies so people are expecting fuel prices to uh you know to rise and i think they have risen um in the past you know week or so uh so that's you know keep an eye on that but just broader point uh whenever you're talking about airfares you always have to consider your cost and fuel is you know biggest cost you've got Absolutely. Like you're an airline. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And we're going to have more on fuel this year. That's for sure. Like all the reasons you just mentioned. Well, Jay, let's leave it there. That's another edition of the Airline Weekly Lounge podcast. Listeners, you can reach myself at er at skift.com. You can reach Jay at js at skift.com. Jay, always a pleasure. Yep. Likewise. Thanks, everybody. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of the Airline Weekly Lounge podcast. Check out airlineweekly.com for a new issue every Monday and updates on the latest airline news throughout the week.